so this morning, I'm concluding a series called Relationships Reset. We're in this whole new environment of COVID where we're working through issues and we all thought it was going to be a lot shorter, but it seems it's going to be going on for a bit longer. That we need to find new ways of doing relationship. And the key thing for me this morning is this key value of connecting. The Bible calls it fellowship. And so I want to talk about how can we strengthen connection and some of the underlying biblical thoughts about that. And if I were to summarize it, I'd just say, we need each other. And if you watching online, you may want to put that in the chat, just a reaffirmation. We need each other. In Acts chapter 2, when the church is birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it says that all believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, communion, and to prayer. And I want you to notice something, because I'm actually going to put something on you this morning and on me. It says all the believers devoted themselves. They weren't dragged, kicking and screaming. This was something that came out of their hearts. They made a commitment. And on this whole issue of fellowship, it's a commitment you need to make. I need to find ways of connecting with other people around the person of Jesus Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And in a way, in this new media, the teaching is one of the easiest things. And there's so much opportunity with so much online stuff. But the next thing that makes church, church, and I'm not talking about the building. I'm not even talking about a Sunday service or some other service. I'm talking about the essence of what makes the church, the church. It says, and to fellowship. And then it says they shared in meals and there was prayer and there's some other things that follow in the verses. But that word fellowship, and you probably know this, is the Greek word kornonia. And the word means literally fellowship, participation, a close relationship, communion. And we're not just talking about the emblems here, but that sense of communion, community, the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially on a mental or spiritual level. And so it's not some superficial gathering. This is a point where you're touching each other's lives. And Christian fellowship from the earliest time was expressed through this very ordinary activity of eating together. So they were in fellowship and they shared meals. And these meals were given kind of a a special characteristic by the fact that they were associated with teaching, prayer, and praise. Now, I'm not suggesting that every meal table suddenly turns into a church service. But here's the other thing at every meal table. If there's a consciousness of Christ, he's present. And there will be things in the conversation that will touch on praise and sharing and truth and encouragement and supporting each other. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 and 47 says, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who have been saved. And in these days of COVID restrictions, we can actually do that. 
We may not be able to gather in large groups and we need to obey the laws of the land and the recommendations around COVID and social distancing and all these things, not just for our sake, but for the sake of others who are vulnerable in our society. But we can do this where on a Sunday you can invite one other couple around, one or two friends, do things safely, do things with social distance, invite them to bring their own morning tea or to bring their lunch and stay on, watch the service together and just share. You can create this kind of moment that anchored the early church and the Lord added daily to those who have been saved. You see, what we really need to understand that The first problem in the Bible was not the entrance of sin into the world. Now, that was a major problem, and Jesus came to solve that problem. The first problem that God identified was aloneness. He created everything, created Adam, and he said, this is very good. And then instantly, he says, there's something that's not good. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And ladies, you knew that a long time ago. (laughs) Do not leave the man alone. But you know, despite that little joke, that this is bigger than just agenda. This is talking about humanity. We as human beings, male, female, are not good doing life alone. It's not God's design. It's not God's purpose. You were never meant to walk alone through life. And this has nothing to do with you're single or married. And marriage doesn't always solve the issue of feeling alone. You probably know people, I know some people who at times, even in their marriage, felt very alone and isolated. What solves this is a commitment to community, of being together, of finding ways of connecting in the name of Jesus and with a heart to care one for another. In Galatians 6 and verse 10, it says, when we have opportunity to help anyone We should do it. That's a great challenge for all of us to be looking out for opportunity to help others. And it doesn't have to be big grand gestures. It's often the little kindness that goes such a long way. But then he goes on to say, but we should give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. One translation says to the household of God. We should give, we should look out to help anybody and everybody but we need to give special attention. And my challenge to you today is how much special attention have you given to somebody else who's a part of your church family? Have you phoned somebody? Have you dropped in to visit? Have you just checked, are they doing all right? Have you invited them over for a meal? Because that's something we can all do. It's easy. But it's got to be an awareness, an active thing. I am committed to fellowship, kononia, that intimate connecting of lives. And in essence, fellowship requires two things. One, it requires frequency. To build real connection takes a bit of energy, takes a bit of time. And in Hebrews 10 and verse 24, 25, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but to encourage one another. 
What an incredible exhortation that is. And again, listen to the onus on us, each and every one of us. Let us think about ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect connecting. And yes, we've got restrictions around connecting that have to do with safety and in this period. But there's other ways of connecting and making sure, let us not stop gathering together. The second thing that fellowship requires is Jesus Christ. Because otherwise it's just a gathering of friends and that's good. But just that consciousness. And again, I want to stress, I'm not talking about turning everything into a meeting. I'm talking about just acknowledging when you and I come together, there's somebody else there. If we acknowledge him and it's Jesus. And I love the the power of this, where Jesus says in Matthew 18, verse 20, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. I love large gatherings. I love it when the church service is packed out. There's something about it and the sense of God's spirit and the presence of Jesus. But he says you don't need hundreds. You don't need thousands. You just need two or three who say we are gathering together to acknowledge Jesus to share a meal together, have fun, talk about the sport, go to the Raiders and things like that. But also that there's a sense, Jesus, we want you to be present in our conversation. And so there's a few things that I just want to run through that we can do. One, we need to connect and care for each other. Jesus said a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. The thing that is extraordinarily challenging about that is that a child can get a hold of the core concept of loving one another as Jesus loved us. But a mature believer can be challenged over and over again of sensing, well, I didn't live up to that. I could have done differently. And I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about being inspired by the words of Jesus to love one another. And community is one of the things that speaks to despair in people's hearts. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love one another with genuine affection, taking delight in honoring one another. And there's something about just the connecting and caring when people are going through something they're celebrating or in pain. And you don't have to have all the answers for somebody who's in pain, who's dealing with a tragedy or a crisis or an overwhelming circumstance. Just being present And giving assurance. You don't have to give answers because sometimes there is no simple answer. Just give assurance. The second reason we connect is to connect and to protect each other. Jesus said to the disciples in John 16, 1, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. And sometimes under pressure, we can make wrong choices. But there's something about godly friends and godly counsel and godly encouragement that just keeps us on track. Somebody who shares out of the experience. And one of the greatest ways of growing, yes, is being in the word. Yes, is praying, but is belonging. And you cannot become everything that God wants you to be unless you belong 
to a community of faith. There's that point of gathering, whether it's in the two or three or down the track when we're allowed to regather in bigger ways, we still need the two and three. We never abandon that closer connection, that fellowship. Community is God's answer to defeat and discouragement. Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Again, this concept, it doesn't take a hundred, just two or three can make all the difference. People who care for you, people you care for, and there's a point of connection. So we connect and care, we connect and protect, but we connect and encourage. And all of us need encouragement. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, Paul says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just in fact as you are doing. So he's not saying you're not doing it. And I want to encourage you to keep on encouraging one another, whether it's that text message, that phone call, that visit, that saying, let's have a meal together. Let's meet somewhere. We're coming into some good weather in Canberra. That's where we're coming from. Although this time of year, you never quite know what you're going to get in Canberra. But hopefully some pleasant days where you're allowed to gather in slightly larger groups, outdoors, have a picnic, do something to encourage the connection. Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways of motivating one another to love and good works. Gain that whole thing of encouraging, but encourage one another, especially as the day of his return is drawing near. I love Barnabas, who is nicknamed by the disciples Barnabas. His name is actually Joseph. But they call him Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. Kind of everywhere he went, he was looking to encourage somebody. But the final thing we can do, and obviously there's other things, we connect and care for each other. We connect and protect. We connect and encourage. We connect and pray. And you don't have to pray flowery prayers. In fact, Jesus spoke against that idealism of perfect prayers, the simple heartfelt prayers one for another. Ephesians 6 verse 18 from the message says, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And it's connected to this thought of prayer. And we can pray for all sorts of things, for people in their job situations, their relationships, their financial situations, perhaps a health concern. But the Bible also encourages us to pray for each other's spiritual well-being. Don't stop praying for the physical needs. And they can be so simply, Lord, just help. Linda, Lord, help David, help Kristen with Josh. Lord, we just pray your blessing on them. Lord, help so-and-so with that job interview. A simpler prayer is that. But I want to pray some prayers over all of you in this moment. Ephesians 3 verse 18 and following. May you have the power to understand how wide how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to fully understand.
And I'm speaking this prayer over you, over myself today. May you experience Christ's love. I pray that you will be ready to obey him and that you will always be eager to do right. Somebody facing a really challenging situation where there's pressure to compromise, I pray this over you, not to condemn you, but to encourage you. I pray that you will be ready to obey God in that situation and that you will always do what is right. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. People right now facing situations where you don't feel confident, where you feel hope has been crushed out of you, perhaps some horrendous circumstances, experiencing loss and pain, Well, I pray this over you right now. I want to pray this again, this simple, powerful prayer. I pray that God, the source of hope, will break into your hopelessness, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you put your trust in him, in Jesus. Then, and I prophesy this according to the word of God, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Another prayer, I pray that God will guide you to be as loving as God and as patient as Christ. Oh, there's a challenge. I can just see husband and wife turning. I pray that you would be as patient as Jesus with me. But in all seriousness, I pray that the Lord will guide you and that you will lead your life with love and patience. And all of us struggle with those things, of being impatient and frustrated, whether with ourselves, with others, our circumstances. I pray that the Lord would guide you to be as loving as God and as patient as Christ. I pray that he may strengthen you with the power of his spirit. And right now where you are, whether in this auditorium, watching online, watching on delay, would you just take a moment and say, come Holy Spirit, and just breathe in and let the Holy Spirit, who Jesus has sent to be your closest companion, come alongside you and strengthen you. Come alongside and encourage you. Come alongside and impart something fresh into your life where you literally get a sense, breathe again. And this is something I regularly do and I regularly need to do when things feel frantic or there's tiredness or whatever it is or facing a big challenge, you don't always know what to do. It's just say, come Holy Spirit, just breathe in, strengthen me, help me. I don't want to do this by myself. Many other prayers, but my last one this morning is I ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. You're facing a big decision, a life choice. Well, I'm praying for you. We're praying for you that God would give you complete knowledge of his will, that you'll get that sense of peace 
And you may not know exactly what to do, but as you begin to step out, the Holy Spirit begins to guide and lead you. God's word speaks to you. And you suddenly look back and go, I think I'm in what is the will of God. I think I'm in the center of what God wants me to do. And just having that heart for it gets you into it. And to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's one thing to be clever and smart. It's a whole nother thing to have spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I pray that God would impart that to you today. To give you complete knowledge of his will. You could be listening to this and go, well, I'm far from God. But you're on a journey. That's why you're listening. That's why you've been brought into this in some way. You may not know Jesus as your personal savior, or perhaps you didn't. You kind of walked away. Well, my prayer is that you would understand what God's will for you is right now. And it's simply this. God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. All should come to forgiveness. All should come to salvation. You might say, well, how do I do that? It's as simple as a praying a prayer, inviting Jesus to take up the reins of your life. Yeah, it means surrendering something, handing something over. And in that act, he becomes Lord, but he also brings forgiveness and cleansing and refreshing and new direction. Bible calls that being born again. You may have heard that term, but that's what it is. Born brand new. God gives you a brand new start. 